Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Are experts in agriculture covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field? From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Harry Sutar, the base of the centre circle, plays a long diagonal ball out to Lecky on the right flank, and a good touch as well. Pavard hit the ground, the cross comes in. Goodwin! Craig Goodwin has the opener. Australia 1-0 up on the French. Australia's moment on centre stage. And the world now knows who the Socceroos are. Nine minutes in, France 0, Australia 1. Yeah, magic moment for Australia this morning and uh, Craig Goodwin out of Adelaide there scoring in the ninth minute. But uh, France have replied with goals to Rabiot in the 27th minute and Giroud in the 32nd minute, a double strike there and perhaps should have scored again uh, just before half-time, but Australia hit the post as well. But it's an intriguing and very exciting open game of football. It really is a good advertisement. But France at the moment look like when they throw the switch, Australia just look a little de- depleted at the back. So we'll just uh, continue to monitor that throughout uh, the next uh, 45, 50 minutes when the second half gets underway. But certainly it's been a World Cup of events overnight. <coughs> right, we've got a busy show this morning. Of course, in association with uh, Brandt, uh, our new uh, show supporter. Uh, they are, uh, of course, the local John Deere equipment supplier. So throughout the country, pop into your Brandt outlet and you will be able to pick up anything special, which is green, which is John Deere, which is amazing. Mowers, tractors, the lot. They've got everything. Uh, so just uh, after five, well, about five minutes' time, no, less than that, perhaps, in a couple of minutes' time, uh, we'll uh, open up the lines, talk back time. You can talk about... Uh, the Football World Cup, what you've noticed so far. Uh, you might have watched uh, the Black Caps last night or followed the Black Caps uh, against India, uh, blowing an opportunity in the rain to perhaps um, draw the series. Uh, but, uh, you know, the same old problems for me. They get a start, but they can't. Uh, they lost a lot of wickets towards the end. So that uh, probably hurt them in the scheme of things as well. So your views on that. Of course, we uh, always uh, welcome the views on uh, the rugby, the All Blacks, the coaching scenario. The uh, Black Ferns, anything that uh, comes to mind, love to hear from you. Um, it's uh, also um, a possibility for you to tell us about the greatest World Cup to watch as a sports fan. What do you enjoy the most? Is it the FIFA World Cup now that it's on? Is it Rugby World Cups, Cricket World Cups, Rugby League World Cups? What is the World Cup that really most uh, excites you and gets you uh, out of bed in the early hours of the morning? So uh, that's uh, your opportunity coming up uh, very shortly on uh, 0800 150 811. And don't forget, of course, that if you are the caller of the month, 
Now you can win Oklahoma Joe's a blackjack charcoal kettle grill. Seriously good piece of machinery. Uh, right, uh, 9.25, uh, perhaps uh, calls and texts will, will continue to come in. Might look at uh, a bit of a highlight yesterday for Canterbury's Henry Shipley. A hat-trick yesterday, outstanding. Uh, George Berry after 9.30 this morning. George, of course, is a musician, but he's also an NBA pundit. And uh, he uh, runs his eye very closely over what's happening in the NBA. We'll talk to George about that. Uh, just after 10 o'clock, David Bolesky, who's a regular golf analyst for us, uh, looking back on the golfing year that was for New Zealanders overseas and what a remarkable, absolutely remarkable, um, to be fair, um, performance by our golfers. And we'll look back at that with David. We have a panel uh, with Mark Watson and Kimberly Downs. Lots of things to discuss with those two. And uh, we'll talk to Louis Herman Watt. Yeah, and after 11 o'clock, Ravi Shastri. One of the uh, India's greatest ever cricketers, a terrific commentator as well, and of course, uh, just up until recently, was the coach of the Indian cricket team. Now, uh, we, un- I don't think, quite understand the pressure on athletes in this country. So we'll talk to Ravi about the pressure on being an Indian cricketer, what you have to live up to, the expectations, and of being the coach as well. Um, it might be quite enlightening for uh, a lot of our listeners. We'll look at the, the FIFA World Cup um, update and uh, that's about 11.25 this morning, and we'll have a, a look at uh, the games coming up uh, tomorrow, uh, tonight and tomorrow, actually, with Morocco, Croatia, Germany, Japan, Spain, Costa Rica, and Belgium against Canada there. And don't forget, at 11.30 this morning, uh, we have a stump smithy, and that's for 150 bucks, 150 So look forward to trying to give that to somebody. And the Rural Roundup, of course, on a Wednesday with Andy Thompson. We'll preview his show as well before we talk to staff for the last time uh, around about 5 to 12. So a busy, busy morning. Talkback time with Smithy. Call now 0800 150 811. And it's a very good morning to uh, Frank from uh, Tauranga this morning. Frank, good morning to you. Uh, Smithy. <coughs> Excuse me. Yes. <clears throat> I'm an 80 year old and I can't help but <laughs> you are the you yep. are the guru of New Zealand sports you are a people's person everybody loves you and you're a great guy to listen to and I've watched you ever since the days you were a wicked keeper and so so and you're a great guy to listen to you've got personality you're a person's person now that's the good side of things the other side of things is, before the um, test, um, before the 1020 uh, game, not this one last night, but the other one, a lot of problem gamblers are hot on you, Smithy. You did say, New Zealand will win this one in a romp. New Zealand will win this one in a romp. So mm. I went out being a problem gambler and I borrowed money off people and all that sort of thing, like other people <laughs> did. And we took your word for it, Smithy. So how are you actually holding at the moment? I'm not holding that well, Frank, because more often than not, I back up my own advice. So I, like you, I've got an issue to deal with. And um, my issue quite clearly is that I underrated uh, this Indian side um, and uh, when I saw who had defected from it, the likes of Kohli and Sharma, Rahul, uh, Bumrah, Shami, uh, you know, there were truckloads of them that were disappearing, Frank, and I thought to myself, uh, they got no price. They don't even probably want to be here. So they've surprised me. So they got me there. 
Well, when you made that statement, like half of all the problem gamblers in New Zealand jumped on and couldn't get enough money and backed New Zealand. Well, they were thrashed, absolutely thrashed by 65 runs. And all the problem gamblers blame you. Now, I don't know how you're holding at the moment. I don't know how you're holding at the moment, but I suggest you do something to help out a few of these problem gamblers. Before they well, go out can... to a burglary or something like that or get on the booze and bash <laughs> someone up because of their anger. So you've gone from good guy to villain overnight. So, oh, Frank, uh, I'm sorry about that. I'm really sorry. Frank, if you'd followed my, my multis in the last two days, you'd have got a bit back because I got a $6 one up the other day and a, and a $5 one up last night. So, you know, if you, you might have been able to help. But I, 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 I've got to apologise, Frank. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to... Uh, take a break after today from the show, and, and I'll, I'll take a jolly good look at myself, okay, on your behalf. I suggest I you do, and um, yeah, yeah. try and find out a few help, way to help problem gamblers, because you don't help oh. them by making sweeping statements like you did, and people that yeah. have adored you for years and years followed your word, yeah. not so much in yeah. multi-betting, but in sweeping statements like the winning a romp, um, you know... Big stir and borrowed, I did 235 and put them on New Zealand. Well, I couldn't find out anything, you see. There's nothing on your station that says we're going to give you a commentary ball for ball. There was no commentary at all. There was nothing on TV. You ring up the helpline and you know what they say? What's your mother's no. maiden name? What was your grandmother's maiden name? What's your name, date of birth? And first of all, we'll tell you we can't answer any questions. All oh, right. Okay, Frank. Well, I'm I'm sorry. Um, you've had a you've had a bad experience with us. Um, yeah. Um, well, we can only give advice, mate. But we don't um put your hands behind tie your hands behind your back and say you must take it. Uh, that was my observation. Got it wrong. Very sorry. I also observed a lot of things throughout the last year that uh, <clears throat> I got wrong as well. I didn't think, for instance, the All Blacks would lose to Argentina. Um, Frank uh, didn't really think we'd lose twice to Ireland. Um, at one point, I didn't think the, the Black Ferns would win the World Cup because I, I just didn't think they could overcome that hurdle. Uh, but they all did, and that went against the grain, Frank. So uh, on behalf of all of us here at uh, SENZ, uh, we apologise if you've lost your hard earned. It is uh, 9.12. Well, let's uh, move on to Zaid. Good morning to you, Zaid. Good morning. Um, I want to talk about the World Cup. Actually, I want to talk about... I didn't put it on. I heard someone did put a bet on they had Argentina half time, Saudi Arabia full time. They, um, I heard it on the breakfast show. Paul Mawadi's done it up some sort of executive move. Pulled out, cashed out $134 and 150k. Really? That's big. Yeah. That is big. That's massive, Zaid. Yeah, he had $100 on it and it was paying 500 to 1, Paul Mawadi said. And um, yeah, he cashed it out. Did um, anyone ever see that coming? South Arabia beating Argentina. No, I did not see. It. Did, oh. I did not see it coming. Not for one second. I don't think anyone did. I mean, there's another one, Frank. I would have, I would have, uh, till the cows come home, I would have, I would have, I would have backed Argentina uh, to beat Saudi Arabia. I would have told everyone to back that, Frank, and that one went down the gurgler as well. So that is. That's sport. That's um, that's what happens when you back a team in sport. Sometimes the unexpected seriously does happen. Um, but there you go. Um, the Black Zade, Caps. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. The Black Caps. 
Um, there's someone, he needs to go. He doesn't have a contract anyway. Can you please give him the team, Jimmy Nisham? He can't hold a bat to save his life anymore. The same thing in the World Cup. He didn't do anything. Um, and the Black Caps, that was... If you want to talk about a batting collapse, that was disgusting. Seven for 14. I think Gary said he needs to move on. As much as it pains hard to say, he didn't do right with the T20 team. Um, as, you know, um, you, shouldn't, you should be getting a massive score. Glenn, uh, Glenn Phillips and Devin Conway did their job, but the rest of their team... They couldn't even hold it back. Um, Adam Milne coming in at number eight. It's way too early for Adam Milne. He needs to be at least number 10 or number 11 better. Um, he got ran out skipping. But, uh, yeah, it was horrible getting collapsed. Um, I think we were lucky to get a draw in the end, even. Um, but, yeah, um, and uh, not being mean, I know you live in uh, Hawks Bay, but why do they try and play cricket in Hawks Bay? It just doesn't. It never <laughs> works. It never works. Um, <laughs> so, maybe Zay, that's very funny. That's very funny, but it's also very true. Yeah, and uh, you just... So, yeah, Merry yeah, Christmas. Zade. And have a good time within the cricket and Aussie. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, Zay, thanks very much for all your contacts throughout the, the last uh, 12 months. You have a great Christmas as well, but... Uh, you're a character, there's no doubt about it. You absolutely love your sport, and uh, I seriously respect you for that. And that is a big, uh, but a very honest call. Uh, you schedule a game of international cricket, which will be televised in Napier, at Napier at McLean Park, and invariably there will be rain around the scene. And it was a beautiful day in Hawke's Bay till around about 4.30 yesterday, and then it closed in. Absolutely closed, and it was predicted, and I just don't, I just don't get it. Is they just it's the fate just, just does not work in that fashion. So interesting call there from Frank. I have to take a bit of a, a step back from that one. Um, and Zayda, of course, also very honest with his uh, predictions. What did you make of Frank? Yeah, what'd you make of Frank Logan? Uh, look, I'm gonna. This came through on the temper bedpost text machine from Kane, and uh, I think I echo his his sentiments exactly. Sounds like a Frank problem. Uh, Smithy, I know we hear it a lot from Louis and the likes when they put up tips and everything. It's uh, you know they can only give up some advice, but you know it's it's up to you to do what you want with uh, your money. You're you're a responsible adult. That's that's your decision. Uh, speaking on the cricket, Smithy, I was getting a lot. Of, I I know you're there in Hawkes Bay, of course. Uh, good friend of the show, Ada McLaughlin is as well. So I was getting a lot of weather updates in the afternoon because I was really wanting a game of cricket. And uh, things were looking good uh, at McLean Park. And I- I'm glad we got some cricket in. We were looking good, weren't we, Smithy? Uh, <laughs> up until a certain point when we lost uh, eight wickets for 30 runs at the end there. A real, really disappointing collapse. The T20 uh, side, the way they've gone following on from the World Cup. Uh, I believe, you know, we had Garth Galloway on yesterday, and he was quite surprised that New Zealand made it as far as they did in the World Cup. And I, I think I probably agree with him, Smithy. The way that they've been performing, I mean, it's just, it's not up to their level, is it? No, it's not. And uh, one of the problems, uh, of course, aside from the weather last night, was the fact that they didn't back their fifty, uh, the twenty overs out. When you don't back your twenty overs out, um, that's a cardinal sin, really. When you've got to 10, 10 wickets uh, in hand, and uh, I just don't think that uh, they can be satisfied with that. They, they, I read a headline this morning where there was a, a fumble off the last ball, 
and Mitchell Santner gifted a single apparently to India to make sure that they were level and the, score, the scores were actually level and, and the match resulted in a tie but uh, they could have made it a lot harder uh, New Zealand by batting a little bit better a little bit more sensibly towards the ends of the innings after they got the foundation um, again we've got uh, um, pressure going on Finn Allen another failure another um, uh, another episode where he wasn't uh, able to bat anywhere near through the power play so um, you know, this is something they've got to look at now because they've openly stated uh, that Finn Allen is their boy and uh, their man going forward. Um, everyone in the country has uh, said, well, OK, let's look at this kid a little bit more closely. So in all honesty, um, you know, in, in that regard anyway, um, that, that's uh, something they have to deal with. He's got another um, three matches and uh, 50 over cricket to uh, go through. Um, for this particular series against India, and Frank, I'm making no predictions now uh, going forward in the 50 <laughs> over game, so <laughs> be careful there. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I'd be I'd be thinking I'd be thinking he has to deliver, otherwise, because um, I got a, a text in this morning saying uh, let's send him back to domestic cricket and let him get some runs. All of a sudden, yet um, it wasn't that long ago. It was not that long ago. Uh, that people uh, were saying, or Gary Stead was saying, that uh, we've got to hang our hat on this guy's hook. So, uh, very, very interesting indeed, Logan. Uh, we'll take a quick break um, uh, when we come back. Uh, thanks for Frank and uh, thanks for Zaid this morning. And when we, they're both in the draw, by the way. Uh, we've put uh, Frank in the draw too. <laughs> and oh, actually, we've got a, a call, maybe a late call. Is it from, uh, shall we take it from Bruce from Christchurch? I think uh, he's just come through. G'day, Bruce. Good morning to you. Just uh, just coming at the right time. Yeah, mate. I'm sorry. I've, I've just come back in the last few minutes and I heard Zade comments. I thought I'll give, give a call. Hey, I listened to some of that cricket last night. Um, look, I, I believe we... You, you've always got to constantly be innovating to improve performance. And one of the the real issues I have with New Zealand cricket, it's so much harder to be dropped in that team than to be uh, put into it. And you, I've done a bit of coaching through the years through younger grades and things, and you've got to always create competition in your in your own squad. So, so it basically enhances competition and performance between your players to try and be included in, in a team. Because if, mm. because if they think they're never going to get a chance, they're never going to push themselves as well. And you've got to have those guys below pushing the players maybe who aren't performing. And, and as a coach, you've got to, you know, you've got to make some calls sometimes and take risks. And I heard you making some comments, um, you know, about this team. And uh, I think it goes from the coach to the captain as well. I don't think we take anywhere near as many risks. Um, in the shorter form of the game. Uh, I, but the potential is there. Um, and you, you've just simply got to... Um, McCullum was good at this. He'd take his player aside, he'd make him relax and say, go for it, mate. You've, the world's your oyster. Show us what you've got. This is your opportunity. And, you know, somewhere in all of those points, um, I believe you know, we can get a better performance from our New Zealand team. 
Yeah, Bruce, I, I think you make a, a very valid point there. I, I, we, we, aren't, we are not uh, innovative uh, in that respect. We don't uh, generally lead the pack, do we, when it uh, comes to trying things differently. We tend to wait to, uh, you know, to, to follow a trend from somebody else. And uh, we have to. We simply have to. If that's the one lesson that came out of uh, the T20 Cricket World Cup for us is we've got to be more adventurous. Uh, we just simply have to. And in series like this against uh, India... Were they are perfect opportunities to do just that. I, you know, I, I don't, uh, I, I just don't like uh, the fact that you, you'd write a guy off like Martin Gupta as quickly as they had, uh, and having him around the squad and making sure that uh, Finn Allen knows he's uh, not going to get an easy run um, as being established into the side because Guppy, with his proven record, is still floating around. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing. I, I really don't. So. Um, you're right, Bruce. They they do need competition within the ranks, um, and they've got to find uh, an answer too. Because um, Trent Bolt isn't going to play a lot for us. You can see that coming. I don't think we'll see Trent Bolt uh, perhaps in the new year for the New Zealand side for uh, I don't know four or five months because uh, there's just no need for him to do that. He's uh, he's going to have uh, any number of options available to him in terms of leagues around the world. So. Uh, at best, maybe uh, we'll see him for the 50 over World Cup. So we've got a big hole to fill there, and that's in October. Uh, Zane, good morning to you. Thanks, Bruce. G'day, Smitty. I thought I'd better give you a quick buzz and say thanks for this year. It's been um, great chatting with you and listening to you throughout the uh, ups and downs we've had. And look forward to a bit of a break over the new year, I guess. Yeah, um, a lot of fun. A lot of fun, Zane. Thanks, uh, and I appreciate your call too, and I hope your golf's going good. Oh, absolutely disgusting, mate. I'm sitting here heading into the nets at home because it's like we've got a 12, 13 mile an hour wind out there after torrential rain last night, so I'll blame the weather. Hey, um, on the Black Caps, so is there a lot of similarities between them and the All Blacks at the moment, or is it just me with the whole predetermined kind of decisions that they're not prepared to show a bit of flexibility on when it's not, you know, it's not working, you have got backup or you've got other choices there? It seems very similar. I think you're right, and you know, up until just recently, I don't think anyone's been asking too many questions of Gary Stead or, or Kane Williamson, but all of a sudden they are, um, and you know, particularly in, in the T20 form of the game, just as they've been asking questions of uh, Sam Kane and of Ian Foster um, for quite some time as well, and, and the selectors, the All Black selectors, in terms of where they're at and their consistency in picking sides, so... I think you're right. I think you can you can draw a line quite closely between them. I think the other. Well, I guess that's one point you can compare. But what you can't really compare is if you look traditionally, and you know, you're going back to your day. When has New Zealand really been a consistent, dominant force in cricket? Right. We don't have the numbers. We have a few good players at the time, and I think we went through that bit of a miracle period there, where you know, um, McCullum was kind of going out guns blazing it kind of got the whole country behind us we've done a can a few world cups but you look at between them we've never been overly consistent and i feel like at the moment we've, we've still got that dream that we are this consistent team but you know more than i do do we actually have the players with the technical now to really deliver you know an 80 percent win rate i don't feel like we have I don't feel like we've. Um, I've been talking with Mike Hessen about this as well as amongst other people. I, I don't see the pro, uh, players coming through at our peak. You know, we go through cycles, uh, Zane, and, and what happens is at our peak we have a genuinely competitive, world class side where we can front up in most competitions and um, and get respect and and actually play some very very good cricket. 
Then we go through, like a lot of sports, I guess, we're going to go through a bit of a trough shortly, and I think we just might be dipping into it now, which worries me ever so much, because we haven't got, we have just didn't appear to have the depth at domestic level, which is putting pressure on. Finn Allen has come out of domestic level very quickly. They've tried him, and at this point, it has not been a success. Uh, it simply has not. And um, if he's the best of the crop coming out of domestic level, then uh, we've got some issues to deal with. We've, we've got some serious problems, Zane. Hey, mate, thank you. I do believe we've got some serious problems in the making um, at, at the moment, and we, we need to address them very, very quickly. Uh, hey, thanks very much for your call, mate. Have a terrific... Um, I hope the wind dies down so you can go and play some golf proper and um, enjoy the rest of the day. It is 9.26 here on SENZ. Covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. France have just scored uh, and it's 3-1 now in the 69th minute. 3-1 to France over Australia. News time here with Araha. Cool sound, of course, uh, of the butlers and uh, their song, Sarcastic. And joining us now on SENZ in the mornings is the band's drummer, George Berry. He can sing, he can keep beat, but he also absolutely loves the NBA. And the 2022-23 season is now 17 to 18 games deep, and there's plenty of headlines around. So, George, welcome back to the show. Nice to have you back, mate. Smithy, how are you? Yeah, I'm pretty cool. Uh, we started the season wondering whether the Lakers, who have uh, been in a mess for a while, might even win a game, and now they're on a heater. What's working for them all of a sudden? Well, Anthony Davis has finally decided that he can play basketball again, essentially, Smithy. And he's, he's playing pretty much like he was back in his New Orleans days, where he was considered one of the you know greatest big men to ever play basketball. I mean, he was uh, inducted into the NBA 75 top players last year for a reason, and he's, he's showing why right now. He's putting up, you know, between 25 to 30-point games a night, racking up, you know, well over 15 rebounds a game. So it's really, it's actually really good to see. Um, he's, a, he's a great player when he's, when he's at his best, which is right now. And, you know, despite LeBron James still being out with injury, they've, they've somehow managed to pull together a few games. They're still, you know, they're 14th in the West out of 15, well, 13th out of 15 teams with a 5-10 and 10 record. But, you know, with only, like you say, 17 to 18 games played, they're only five games back of first place. So, um, yeah, a lot of movement needs uh, to, be, to be done. Uh, they're up against the Suns next, the Phoenix Suns, who uh, have had a really good start to the season. They're second in the West. So does uh, the good run for the Lakers stop here? Yeah, I think so, <laughs> to be quite honest. But, um, 
I mean, you're going to face some some pretty heavy teams in, a, in such a heavy schedule with 82 games. But I mean, if, if they can beat, if, if Anthony Davis can have a big game, Phoenix do lack size. I mean, DeAndre Ayton is their their man guy, but Anthony Davis is on on his day is is a far exceeding player than DeAndre Ayton. So I think that if if Anthony Davis can go off and have another great game, then it could be an upset. But Phoenix are just such a clinical team. They're, they're so well coached. They've got some great players. Chris Paul, you know, the veteran leading them at the point guard position. Devin Booker, who just shoots the lights out. He's averaging over 30 points a game this season, which is just absurd. So oh, I pick a Suns win, but uh, if Anthony Davis wants to go absolutely turbo mode, then, you know, who knows? Right, let's uh, look at uh, Ben Simmons. And uh, last year, of course, uh, he copped a lot because uh, he just didn't even want to turn up. He didn't want to practice. He didn't want to do anything for the 76ers. And now, of course, he's found a new home um, with the Nets. And um, he's actually been okay. For instance, against uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, he scored 22 points for his strongest performance of the season. You think mentally and uh, on the court, he's starting to get it right, Ben Simmons? I think so. I think it's... um a lot of people in the in the American media are very quick to jump on on failures in Ben Simmons' uh, camp, especially given that he, like you say, was uh, very much inactive and unmotivated last year. But I think he's probably just needed a bit of time to probably get his his reps in. I think a coaching change at Brooklyn is might have helped too. Um, I, I don't know whether Steve Nash would have been doing too much for him. Um, but their new coach, Jack Vaughan, who's an assistant coach, who was the assistant coach in the Nets, seems to be a much more well-loved coach, especially by the likes of Kevin Durant. He speaks very highly of him, and they've been playing a lot better and with a lot more purpose since he came into the head coaching role, so that might be doing something for them. And A good game to watch today will be Brooklyn taking on Ben Simmons' old team, the Philadelphia 76ers at 1.30 NZ time. Philadelphia are missing their top three players, which is pretty gutting. James Harden, Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey are all out with foot injuries and some knee issues. So it's pretty gutting. But I think regardless, Ben Simmons will definitely hear a lot of boos from the Philadelphia crowd and hopefully he can prove them wrong. I mean, you want to see him play well. He's, a, he's a, an all-NBA caliber player, one of the best defensive guards that, that's played the game in, in, the, in the kind of modern league. So... You know, you hope the best for him, and, and yeah, hopefully this could, this could run a game continues. George, if, if Ben Simmons was um, the evil monster last year in terms of off-court uh, behaviour and things going on around uh, his non-performances, uh, if anything, he certainly passed the baton this year to Kyrie Irving. Now, uh, what, uh, what a situation this has been for general manager Sean Marks, and how well do you think he's handled this uh, anti-Semitic situation, and where does Kyrie Irving sit going forward now in terms of this franchise? I would I hate to, to bag Sean Marks, and it's not entirely Sean Marks' fault. It's entirely, you know, communications departments, you know, all the front office team, but I think the Brooklyn Nets have handled this pretty poorly. Um, I, I think that it took them... I think five days for the Brooklyn... Or it, was, it, was, it was quite an extended period of time for the Brooklyn Nets and the NBA to actually come out with a statement once the situation had happened, um, which is pretty pretty displeasing, especially for a, uh, a community and a league, which is you know a global league, and, and a lot of different people from a lot of different places and religions and backgrounds watch this game and cherish the game. And I just think the whole way it was, it was handled was pretty poor. Um, from, from reading some headlines this morning... Um, I thought this one was pretty funny. The the headline was the Nets, and then in inverted comments, 
would like to move Kyrie Irving, which I think was just the most obvious headline of 2022. Um, I think it's. I think Sean Marks will be putting calls out pretty regularly on a daily basis. I don't think he'll be getting many calls from teams, though. Um, just a, a really difficult player to, to have on your team. He, he brings you more drama than than success on the court. It's just a lot of drama off the court. And, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what, what they do here, whether they just kind of see out the season. He's off contract at the end of the season, whether they just see it out and, and move him elsewhere at the end of the season and get away from the drama. I don't know. But I know that they will very much be wanting to move him somewhere. It's just whether a team actually wants to take that risk and, and have all that talent, but also deal with you know all the drama that comes with it. It's a mess. It's an absolute, complete and utter mess that Sean Marks doesn't really yep. need at the moment. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, though, are currently 10-7 and 7 to be 6th in the Western Conference uh, with Stephen Adams, of course, uh, part, very much part of it. How have you assessed his performance uh, throughout the first part of the season? He went off to a really, really good start. He, he and uh, John Morant, their star guard, have got some really good connection there in the in the pick and roll, and just a lot of good work between them. You know, with the with John Morant steering the offense and Stephen Adams just kind of being the anchor, the veteran presence there as the oldest playing you know, active member in the team, despite only being what 27, 28, which is quite laughable, really. John Morant's got an injury at the moment, though. He seems to get you know some. Uh, I don't know, it's just some small injuries that can kind of turn into big injuries like last year. Um, so I don't know how long he's going to be out for. It hasn't really been determined. So whether this results in, like, you know, for example, I think if John Rant was there against the Brooklyn Nets, I think they would have been the Brooklyn Nets. I, I think John Rant's a massive, massive piece for their success during the season. And hopefully Stephen Adams can just hold down the fort and, and be, you know, that big interior presence that he gets paid a lot of money to be. And, um, yeah, we'll see how they go. I mean, I think, yeah, like you said, sixth place, they're in between that sixth and seventh place, which if they can stay inside that eighth while John Morant's out with injury, I think they'll be all right, and I think they can definitely you know, make some noise in the playoffs later on in the season. They're up against uh, the Sacramento Kings next, who are nine and six, and uh, look like uh, they might uh, actually have some sort of season in front of them. This is really exciting, and they're on a yeah, six-game winning streak. The Sacramento Kings have been pretty much the laughing stock of the NBA for oh, nearly two decades, really. Um, but it really seems like they've turned it around. They've made some really good trades, some good player movement over the offseason. They've just built a good team with, with just good good players, good role players, a couple of stars in DeMontis Sabonis uh, and De'Aaron Fox who have decided that they, um, they're just going to turn it up and, and really play some good basketball together this year, which is really pleasing to see. Of all teams in North American sports, Smithy, I think you might enjoy this week's fact. Of all teams in North American sports, the Sacramento Kings hold the longest record for the for the least amount of times being in the playoffs. I think the record, I think they haven't been in the playoffs for nearly twenty years or something like that. And the Seattle Mariners, I believe, were were the the longest holding uh, participants for that record until they made it last year. So. Sacramento is currently in there, so they are absolutely desperate to make the playoffs, um, and I think they will. Currently fifth place, looking really good, really, really fun team to watch. Probably one of the my, my most fun teams to watch on late pass. Um, so if you're out there and you want to know what teams to watch, yeah, definitely tune into the Sacramento Kings and definitely tune into that game with the Memphis Grizzlies today. It will be an absolute banger of a game. So in your mind, who is the most disappointing team so far this season, um, not named after, uh, after the LA Lakers? 
Well, I've got one in each conference. In the Eastern Conference, for me, it's actually the Miami Heat, the 12th place. Usually, you know, they, they were almost, you know, J- Jimmy Butler was taking a buzzer-beating shot to go into the Eastern Conference Finals last year and missed it. They were that close to going to the, to the Eastern Conference Finals and maybe even the NBA Finals. You know, you never know. So, currently 12th place, 7 and 11. They're on a four-game losing streak. I don't know. It just seems like Jimmy Butler's their main guy, but a lot of their other players just aren't just aren't rising to the occasion. They've got Kyle Lowry, who won the championship with Toronto. He's an aging point guard and just isn't really showing any signs of positivity in the stat sheet. And yeah, it's pretty disappointing. I was going to say the Chicago Bulls because they're one place above them in the 11th, but you would think that Miami would have really made some noise with you know Boston and Milwaukee up at the top there in first, second, third place, but they just don't seem to be clicking. And in the Western Conference, despite Stephen Curry who is my vote for MVP, playing his best offensive season of his career, the Golden State Warriors are 8-10, and, and they're in 11th place. And they just can't win on the road. I think they're like 8-1, and one, or 1-8 one and eight on the road. Um, it's just, yeah, Kevin Curry is literally carrying that team, scoring, you know, 30 points, 40 points, 50 points a night. Um, but their bench is just woeful, and the other players just aren't really bringing it. So, um, knowing them, though, previous champions, they'll probably turn it around and and, you know, probably make their way into the finals. But at the moment, they're, yeah, pretty disappointing considering they're the, the previous champions. Hey, George, uh, on, the, on the subject of the Golden State Warriors, I want you to listen to this audio and then tell me, is this the greatest answer someone has ever given at a press conference while making a paper plane? Speaking to being a harshest critic, do you feel like your lows this season have been criticised too heavily? No, I don't care anymore. I really let the trolls get to me. Like, what? what? What am I doing? You know, like I had a, just a re- revelation where I was like, man, like just be you and everything will play out and criticize me all you want. But I know how great I am and what I'm capable of. And I think real Warrior fans know that as well. Clay Thompson there. What about that? I love Clay Thompson, man. He is the best personality in the league. And you can go online and, and look at, you know, news stories that, you know, local reporters have done with him. He he takes his boat across the harbour every morning to go to practice. They've built him a, a park for his boat. He then jumps on his e-bike and bikes to the practice facility with his dog on the back of his bike. And he makes sure that all his press conferences, he makes sure that the, the press conference table is turned towards the water because he wants to look at the water while he's answering questions. I mean, this guy is just, <laughs> it's just hilarious. Like it. He, he's an incredible player. He's coming off some two years of horrific injuries, and he, like I was saying before, hasn't got off to a great start. You know, he, he he did score 41 points the other night against the Blazers, which was great to see. He's just probably you know along with like you know for Kiwi Stevens is probably one of the more beloved players. I'd say that because Golden State Warriors is one of the most recognisable franchises in New Zealand and the world. I'd say Clay Thompson is probably one of the most beloved players, and for a great reason. He makes it very easy to be loved. George, always great to catch up with you, mate. Thank you uh, so much for your, your update on the league. Uh, we never even got a chance to talk uh, uh, about the Eastern Conference where the Celts and the Bucks look like they're going to dominate, but we will in uh, the future. Hey, George, thanks very much, and uh, catch up again shortly, please. Yeah, mate, all the best. Thanks, Smithy. Cheers. And here's the Butlers.
brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's 4-1, 4-1 to France now. They've uh, pretty much dominated the second half. Australia have hardly uh, had uh, a look in down the uh, attacking end, but they've been uh, hot on defence. And uh, apart from uh, a magnificent save from their goalkeeper Ryan uh, off the line, one of the great saves, I think, in world football for a while, um, it's been a dominant display by the French. Uh, goal to Goodwin to start the scoring in the first half after nine minutes, replied to by Rabiot in the 27th minute and Giroud in the 32nd minute. Giroud got his second with uh, in the 71st minute and Mbappé had scored one in between in the 68th. So 4-1 and they're into time added on. France over Australia. Experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, we got up uh, yesterday when Mexico and Poland drew in the early hours of this morning, actually, at $3. So we got a $5 one to go with a $6 one the day before. So uh, we're going pretty well on the multi side of things. So Germany to beat Japan in the early hours of tomorrow morning. I predict that at a $1.40. This afternoon, I think the Grizzlies will beat the Sacramento Kings. We just talked about that with uh, George Berry. I think it's a possibility at a $1.80. And in the women's big bash cricket, the Brisbane Heat featuring uh, the Kia sisters, uh, to beat the Hobart Hurricanes at $1.65. So that is uh, coming out at $4.15. Would be get, nice to get uh, three in a row. And just by the by, um, and if you're listening still, Frank, who would have thought Saudi Arabia would have beat Argentina? That's what happens in sport. We'll be back very shortly to find out what's happening in golf with David Belsky. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, 2022 has been an incredible year for New Zealand golf. The Kiwis were flying high with Ryan Fox, Lydia Coe and Stephen Alka all performing on their respective tours. But it's also been an interesting year full of excitement with some of the game's best reaching great heights, including Rory McIlroy and Australia's Cameron Smith. And that's before you even think about how Live Golf threatened to shake up the game. Joining us now is a friend of the show. We love having him on to look at golf with more uh, analytical view that he ha- he possesses. You can find him on Twitter at uh, Deep Dive Golf. Welcome back to the show, David Bileski. Good morning, sir. Morning, Smithy. How are you? Oh, I'm damn good. And as a golf fan, I'm even better than that because uh, I just can't. Uh, you know, when one of your country's golfers win a major, it's something absolutely special. Doesn't very happen very often. Uh, Bob Charles, of course, uh, Michael Campbell, Lydia Coe come to mind. But uh, when you see um, your golfers at the top of the leaderboard at the very crucial stages of the season, you really do sit up and take uh, take note. Um, where do we begin, uh, David? It's been an unprecedented year in that regard. It has. I mean, look, the, the Kiwis have just performed so admirably across every single tour, which is just, it's been absolutely insane. You, you wouldn't have picked it at the beginning of the year. You know, to have Ryan Fox and um, right in contention for the DP World Tour um, race to Dubai, which is the season-long order of merit, you know, something that uh, the only Kiwi, I believe, who's done that before was was to Bob Charles. Um, you know, Lydia Ko taking out the, the Tour Championship in the season-long rank, and then Steve Alka taking out the um, the season-long rank, and then 
winning the Senior PGA Championship as well. I mean, it's just such a golden era for, for New Zealand golfers and we should be just absolutely um, over the moon about it. I think we should, um, and I think we should uh, should ride on that wave because it's been superb. And you, you mentioned Ryan Fox, and um, you know he, he's now looking at uh, cracking the top twenty-five in the in the world. Uh, comes on the back of that fantastic win at the the Dunhill uh, at St Andrews as well. So, uh, and now second to Rory McIlroy. There's no shame in that. Uh, it's been. What have you noticed about Ryan Fox this year in particular? I think it's just been the, the way he's lifted his game. You know, he, he's he's been a, a solid performer, but sort of middling results over the last few years. And then this year, just the consistency that he's managed to get, particularly with his irons, um, has really been what's transformed his game. And, you know, the distance off the tee, you know, that's a given with Ryan Fox, and that, that gives him a great advantage. You know, look, you do need to be driving pretty consistently over um, 310 yards nowadays um, on tour to be competitive. Um, so he's, he's always had that up his sleeve, but um, for someone who hits it that long to have that sort of level of touch around the greens, you know, we saw that on full display at the, the Dunhill Links victory that you mentioned as well. Um, you know, and he, he's just he's sort of lifted his game to another level. You know, I'm, I'm super excited for the prospect of uh, next year qualifying for all four majors now that he's in the top 50. Um, I'm really interested to see what he does at the Masters. You know, I can't wait for April. We should be we should be absolutely frothing in the mouth for that one because that is of of the four majors. That is one where uh, you've got a little bit more space off the tee and, and distance is a huge asset. You know, and so Ryan Fox ticks both of those boxes. And um, you know, if he keeps up this kind of consistent level of play that we've seen from him, you know, he could he could well surprise us with a top twenty in in um, Augusta. David, what I, I, I like about it too is, is I would imagine uh, the phone might have rung. I'm not, I don't know for sure. Live Golf might have made an approach to Ryan Fox because he is so damn hot at the moment. Uh, but I think uh, what, I, what I've heard from Ryan Fox is that, look, I've worked so hard to get this far, to get this, uh, these exemptions, to get these qualifications as such. I'm not going to blow it now. Uh, I like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, you, you know, how much is enough, Smithy? You know, that's the thing. I think some of these golfers are just earning such amazing amounts of money and you can't take it with you, you know. And, and I don't know don't know about you, but I wouldn't trade some of the moments I've had in my life for any amount of money. And I think Ryan Fox is the same. You know, the the um, the opportunity to, to go and play Augusta is um, such a, a rare feat that so few people have been able to achieve, you know, and to go and have a moment like that and play around, um, you know, that, that stunning course at Augusta National um, is just a moment that money can't buy so uh, I don't blame him whatsoever and um, you know I think if we look at the way that Live Golf season has kind of trended they've they've picked up a huge number of signings but their viewer numbers have actually gone down you know their, their viewership has gone down at every single tournament this year and by the by the end of the season you know what should have been their headline event they're, they're struggling to get 20,000 people watching on YouTube for free at the same time around the whole world you know and it's free mm. like they're giving this product away for free so I think you'd be out of your mind to, to jump across at this time um, because, you know, it could actually just, just end your, your entire career in doing so and you take one short paycheck um, and then, you know, give up you know, all these opportunities um, and, and your future as well because, yeah, I think if, if LiveGolf can't turn that around very, very quickly, um, the future of it looks pretty bleak, to be honest. Okay, uh, interesting. Stephen Alka, let's move to uh, Stephen Alka, uh, of course, we knew last year that he was uh, going to be a threat. He, he signalled that by being, uh, you know, a bit of a force towards the end of uh, the Champions Tour year. Now this year, of course, uh, he's just carried on to the point where he's 
he's won the, the Charles Schwab uh, title uh, and with it uh, a hat full of money, uh, which is very, very nice for him. But the whole time he's remained very, very balanced about the deal and he's going to be the draw card at the New Zealand uh, Open in March. Yeah, fantastic to have him back on uh, on Kiwi shores, and I, and I hope people get out and support him because what a year it's been. I mean, five five victories um, since November twenty twenty one. So the last twelve months, he's won five times, and you know that that's just an amazing feat. And um, on top of that, all the top tens, all the top fives, he's just consistently at the top of the leaderboard. And you know, the the thing that's impressed me with that is it's just come on this wide variety of courses. You know, it doesn't matter if the course has been long, short, you know, tight, wide. Um, he's managed to find a way to, to get around and get the job done, um, which which is an incredible asset. So, um, you know, there's, there's some big names on that senior tour. You know, you've got Patrick Harrington, you've got uh, mm. Uncle, uh, Miguel Jimenez, you know, like these, these absolute stars of the game um, who, you know, are still performing at, at a very high clip. You know, they, they regularly are going back to DP World Tour and PGA Tour events and still featuring in majors. You know, they, they are playing at incredibly high level, and, and Stephen Alpha's just absolutely smoked them. He's absolutely smoked them. So, um, incredibly proud and, and a massive, massive performance from him. Right, let's uh, look at uh, the third person in the, the triangle of success, of course, and that is uh, Lydia Ko, uh, who has been, uh, of course, uh, an absolute star since about the age of 11 when we recall her winning championships back in New Zealand as an amateur, and now, of course, a ripe old age in the mid, uh, early to mid-20s, uh, about to get married. Um, and uh, the Tour Championship, the CME Tour Championship, uh, as well as two million US dollars, money insignificant to Lydia, I would imagine, at this point in her career. But the comeback has been uh, far from insignificant because there was a point when we looked at her, David, and thought, "Well, I just wonder." Yeah, look, she she did, and I think the the resilience and tenacity, and um, you know that attitude that she's displayed on coming back has just been so inspiring. You know, she's such an amazing role model for. Um, young women and young men um, across the country, you know, to to go through that slump where it was really, I mean, it was kind of four or five years out in the wilderness um, where she was, you know, struggling to break the top 50 in the world um, to, you know, switching coaches um, every sort of few months, just trying to find something and trying to get that game back. She knew that that sort of talent was there um, to finally make that recovery and, um, you know, have the year that she has, you know, really pushing for um, number one in the world with Nelly Corder. You know, I think if Nelly Corder had finished outside the top 24 in the world, um, Lily Co would have, uh, top 24, sorry, at the last tournament, um, Lily Co would have taken uh, number one in the world. You know, out of, out of all female golfers in the world who, who play this amazing sport, um, for, for our Kiwi uh, light to be right there at the top of uh, the, the board is um, amazing. So, no, look, full, full credit to her. Um, we, we should be incredibly proud and um Hopefully we see her, her name up at the Halbrook Awards uh, very shortly. Yeah, I, I, I can't think of um, Zoe Sadusky Senate, of course, a snowboarder, absolutely magnificent performance as well, but I, I really can't think uh, why Lydia Ko wouldn't go on and, and win that. It's such a, a damn hard thing to be, the best golfer in the world, male or female, and uh, she certainly has proven to be that. Uh, interesting year for Cameron Smith. Uh, here he goes, uh, winning the Players' Championship, the fifth major. Turns around, wins uh, a- another championship, the Open Champ. And, 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 and we all look at uh, Cameron Smith and think, wow, uh, this kid is uh, something special. He is going to be 
the forerunner of golf for years to come, but particularly for non-American point of view. Bang, he gets the phone call, he takes the money. I just wonder what he's thinking now, and with the prospect too of playing in Adelaide in a live tournament in the new year. Yeah, yeah. look, it's interesting. You know, we, he, his game seems to have gone off a little bit the last couple of tournaments, if I'm honest. You know, he's um, 40 in, his, in the mid-40s at the last live event, you know, which in a, a fairly small field is, um, you know, the equivalent of missing a cut on the PGA Tour by um, 10, or, 10 or 12 strokes. So, um, yeah, look, I, I think Greg Norman has promised these golfers the absolute world. You know, he's promised them they're going to get world golf ranking points, that um, they'll get into all the majors, you know, they're, they're going to get paid um, obscene amounts of money and um, and build their, their profile and, and grow the game, you know. And what have we seen from them? Like, not a lot. Not a lot, really. You know, I think that the fans have spoken and they're not they're not engaging with the product. They, they don't like the product. They're not watching the product. So what does that do for Cam Smith's profile? You know, how does it how does it work for some of these young golfers who are coming through? You know, they, they have to start off by building that profile and building this marketing team kind of around them so that they can get that, that brand. Um, you know, and at the moment you're not gonna get that from live because nobody's watching. So you've still gotta to go to the DP World Tour, still gotta to go to the PGA tour because that's where the eyes are, that's where the fans are watching and, and that's what's generating the revenue. So no, it's, very, it, it's interesting. I don't think Cam Smith seems like the type of person who would um, regret choices in life. You know, he seems a pretty happy-go-lucky and just go-with-the-flow kind of um, kind of man. But, um, yeah, look, I think I, I think in years to come, he'll look back at this period and go, you know, I could have been there on the PGA Tour or on the DP World Tour and competing with the best in the world on a regular basis and, and really making a name for myself. Um, and he just started to do that and, um, you know, potentially thrown it all away. OK, let's uh, look at um, your strike rate. Um, you do a lot of homework there and uh, you're a pretty good damn tipster, actually. You, you, you do a damn good job. How, how was the year overall? Um, it's still going, by the way. The PGA is still uh, and up and running for next year. But how, how's uh, your win-loss ratio gone? Uh it's been a it's been a good year, Savi. Yeah, thank you. Um, so we've had 17 outrights this year. So um, ranging in, in price from um, generally in the the mid 40s to 50s up to some triple figure payouts. So 150 um, to one, I think, was our biggest one of this Ooh. year. So um, so yeah, no, it's been it has been a good year. Um, good percentage return on both DP World Tour and um, the PGA Tour. Um, we didn't have John Rahm last week at the DP World Tour because he was. Just incredibly short. He's about a five to one um, co-favorite alongside uh, Rory McIlroy. But we did have Terrell Hatton and Alex Noren, um, who both finished second. And um, both of them, in terms of a top five, were playing more than Ram was for the winner anyway. So, um, no, look, it's been it's been a fantastic year, and um, we're doing a great job over at Win Daily. So um, maybe if Frank's listening, he can uh, jump on over to uh, Win Daily <laughs> and, and follow me on Twitter at Tips Golf. <laughs> hey, look, a lot of people do, which is uh, absolutely fantastic. Um, uh, uh, the one player we haven't uh, talked about, David, of course, is Danny Lee. Uh, made an appearance uh, last week, got a paycheck, and actually was uh, going okay after about three rounds. So um, <clears throat> I just wonder about his chances of retaining, and uh, I guess that's what we're looking at with Danny. Yeah, I mean, look, we'd, we'd love to see him come back. I think the, the, the talent's there, you know, sort of sitting just inside the top 300 in the world at the moment, you know, kind of a little bit inconsistent. 
I mean, Danny Lee's always had this this kind of um, profile of he, he can he's either boom or bust. You know, some weeks he can just absolutely find it, and then he can just surprise you and come out and win a tournament. I think he did the same at um, the Greenbrier Classic a few years ago. Um, you know, and then we look at him recently. You know, few missed cuts, and then suddenly he pops up for for a twenty first at the the RSM Classic. So. Um, Actually, the, uh, the opportunity, I went over to um, America a little bit earlier this year and uh, went to Vegas to watch the Shriners open and followed Danny Lee for a bit. And he looks like he was um, he was in decent touch. You know, the putter was just getting a little bit cold on him. And I think that's the thing, is if he can get a bit of confidence back and get that putter working again. Um, you know, the, the metrics are there. He, he has got the game to compete. It just needs a little bit more um, consistency, which, uh, which I know he'll be desperately trying for. So it's a, it's a cool place the world of golf, you know, you're playing in these tournaments against 144 other players, you know, it's not, we're not talking about small fields and, you know, when we talk about someone like Stephen Alcott who's won, you know, multiple victories in a year or Ryan Fox who's got two wins in multiple top tens, you know, that's coming against 150 other um, men in these tournaments, you know, so it's not easy to, to compete at the top and, um, look, I'd love to love to see Danny Lee get it back, would, would absolutely love it, um, but it's I, I would say that at the moment, the, the golf that we're witnessing in this, um, you know, kind of modern age is at the absolute peak that it's ever been. You know, this is, these are the best golfers that we've seen in, in multiple generations. You know, even when we look back to the Tiger Woods era, you know, we think of what Rory McIlroy is doing at the moment against the likes of the Rams and the Hoplins and the mm. Matt Fitzpatricks and the Will Delatouris and the Tony Fenals, you know, the the level of competition is just so incredibly high, you know, and I don't know if that was the case. I mean, Tiger is obviously the GOAT. He's obviously the, the greatest golfer who has ever lived. Um, but if we look at what Rory McIlroy, for example, is doing now against just this huge amount of talent that he's competing against, um, it, it's fascinating. It's absolutely incredible. So I don't think we can be too harsh on Danny Lee because just the, the standard is so high at the moment. Um, but I would love to see him at the top of some level. It's absolutely David, always great to catch up with you. Great summation of the year of golf, from uh, particularly from a New Zealand point of view. Uh, fantastic to hear that uh, your strike rate is so good, and uh, you've made a quid or two out of it. Deep Dive Golf uh, at, on Twitter for David Bileski, as uh, well as uh, other websites as well. David, thanks so much for your time. Really pleasure. Have a great Christmas, and um, enjoy some more of that cricket. It looks like you're living a tough life over there. <laughs> Very tough. Absolutely very tough, yeah, um, no doubt about that, David. Thank you so much. Uh, 10.19 here on SENZ. We'll have a panel next. Uh, and uh, our panel this morning, our panel this morning consists of Mark Watson and Reuben Bradley. So there you go. Hold it. Hold the phone. Just as I thought we were going to an ad break, uh, you've come up with something, Logan Swingles. Ling- Logan Swingles, what is it? What is it? Yeah, this is huge. Coming in on your last day, Smithy, for the year. New Zealand Cricket has agreed to release Martin Guptill from his central contract so he can pursue playing opportunities elsewhere. The 36-year-old opening batsman has been a fixture in the Black Caps white ball squads for the best part of 14 years, but did not play in the recently completed T20 World Cup and was not selected for the current T20 or O. ODI series against India. Following discussions with New Zealand Cricket, it was agreed that Guptill's request for a release should be accepted effective immediately. And for its part, NZC has made it clear to him that while he would remain eligible for selection, preference would continue to be given to those with central or domestic contracts. 
Wow. Okay, well, that puts a full stop on that, doesn't it? All that speculation, uh, the possibility of uh, Guppy making a comeback, looks like it's gone. That is news I was not expecting. That has hit me between the eyes. Uh, we'll get a view on that uh, very shortly with uh, Mark Watson and Reuben Bradley as well. That'll be an instinctive reaction to that announcement. It's 10.20. Talk to me, yeah. Yes, uh, Mark Watson with us this morning, Reuben Bradley, and our thanks to Brent uh, New Zealand for uh, being uh, our show sponsor. I look forward to a continued association with everyone. Uh, if you're in their market for any John Deere product at all, and there are plenty of them, uh, pop along to your nearest brand outlet. Mark Watson, good morning to you. Reuben Bradley, good morning to you. I had cricket on the agenda uh, talking about last night's T20, Mark Watson, but um, I think it's been gazumped by the Martin Guptill news. Yeah, this is a fascinating one. Uh, Martin Guptill, probably what's that a declaration that maybe his time representing New Zealand is over and now it's maybe a chance to cash in on what has been a very good international career. Just running through his one-day statistics, you know, almost averaging 42, 30 in T20 games. Um, yeah, uh, look, there's an argument, isn't there? I'd still like to see him in this T20 and one-day format, particularly here in New Zealand. I think he's always performed brilliantly here. Uh, Finn Allen is looking sort of more and more one-dimensional. Um, but, yeah, look, look, one of those decisions, um, you know, set yourself up. I think he'll always have a legacy, Martin Gupta, won't he, in terms of what he did in the short form of the game in this country. And I think we'll always be in that discussion in terms of, you know, when you do look back and reflect on who your greatest one-day sides are and who your greatest T20 sides are in terms of who your openers might be. I think Martin Gupta, at his best, was very much a game-changer. Reuben Bradley, highly respected. Uh, you are, too, by the way. But, uh, my, my, Martin Guptill. Um, man, I, I can't think. I mean, I, I look at Williamson, I look at Taylor, uh, and then I think Guptill's next cab off the rank in terms of respect and what he's done for New Zealand cricket thus far. So this is, um, this is quite a big statement from him. I absolutely agree. This is the... Potentially, what we're looking at is the end of an era. Um, it's good, and I'm pleased that New Zealand cricket, in some ways, have sort of righted, done something towards righting a wrong in terms of how the, his exit from the squad came about over the last couple of weeks, but it shouldn't have quite happened this way in the first place. Um, so at least they've, uh, it feels like they've moved quickly to give him this opportunity and release him from the, contra uh, from the contract. But, I mean, I'll just, um, if, if he doesn't play for New Zealand or only plays sporadically, I mean, I'll always remember him as, oh, I believe, just one of the cleanest striker of the ball perhaps we've ever had, if not maybe since Chris Keans. Uh, but just mm. there's a ability to just hit that ball so sweetly and so far and my greatest memory of uh, Guptill will always be that quarter final against the West Indies where he just took the game away completely and just uh, sealed our spot we talk so much about that semi-final win over South Africa mm -hmm. but that uh, just complete dismantling of West Indies at Wellington in 2015 will always uh, stick out as my great memory of Guptill. Oh, me too. Uh, me too. I was lucky enough to be able to commentate on that. He faced the first ball of the innings. He faced the last ball of the innings. <laughs> he remained unbeaten. And in the meantime, he scored 237 runs. Uh, there'll be more reflections on Martin Guptill, I'm sure, uh, around the place uh, uh, from uh, today onwards for, for quite some time. Uh, Mark Watson, are you a, a FIFA World Cup man? 
Oh, look, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. No, vivid memories. I go right back to Mario Kempi's uh, Argentina 1978 beating the Dutch and then 82, of course, with Maradona making his mark and then the great um, Paolo Rossi and uh, Dino Zoff for Italy. And, yeah, go right through clearly to the hand of God in 86. And, yeah, no, huge part of my life. All Whites 1982, remember, always... Come, uh, missing going to school late to be able to watch the All Whites in the morning and, um, you know, losing to, was it Scotland 5-2? I think we lost Brazil 4-0 and then Russia, I think, 3-0 along the way. But, yeah, no, big, big, big part of my life and still is. Love it. Well, what about um, Argentina getting rolled last night by Saudi Arabia? We knew there would be um, surprises. Didn't see that one coming. No, no, not at all. I've, you know, I've been working a bit at night and been making these little predictions. I was pretty good on day one, and I actually picked Argentina to win that one five 0 last night. Only for, uh, but I did say, I did say, look, there are going to be some upsets along the way, but I didn't see that one coming at all. But look, it's football, isn't it? It's great for the competition. It's great for the tournament. It's now how did Argentina bounce back from this? Do they implode? The media pressure on them, the pressure on Messi. He's never quite done it at a World Cup level. Can he put himself amongst the likes of the? Palais and the likes of the Maradonas, um, the Ronaldos, if he hasn't won a World Cup. I mean, they made that final, what, four years ago, didn't they? Was it four years or five years? I forget now with COVID. Um, yeah, look, fascinating. But look, there have been some big upsets. It's just, you know, you go back, you've only got to go back to, I think it was Cameroon beating Argentina in 1990 when Cameroon and the African nations really hadn't established themselves. Senegal beating France back in 2002, I think it was. Look, even New Zealand drawing with Italy back in 2010, that was, that was a big story. They were big headlines around the world. And I think that what makes football so special um, you know you've got a chance haven't you you've got a chance and look what it does for a country look what it does for nationalism and that's that that's why it's called the beautiful game and it's a beautiful game sometimes it's not quite so beautiful Ruben I'll be back with you very shortly because I'd love to get your take on it as well um, I know you have uh, any number of commemorative jerseys around the place um, so hey, you've taken the first uh, two or three days Ruben I'll be back with you shortly and uh, also with Mark Watson on part two of the panel uh, in the meantime though we've got uh, a little news update from Aroha Big talk, big opinions, the panel Mark Watson is uh, with us this morning as is the boss and not Bruce Springsteen it's uh, Ruben Bradley uh, with us uh, I, I, listening to Mark Watson reminisce actually I go back to 1966 I remember Jeff Hurst's three goals against West Germany uh, I also remember Martin Peters uh, and Bobby Moore lifting the trophy at Wembley so uh, that's how far I go back and Ruben Bradley I'm uh, um, very positively told here confidently told you have at least six at least six English football well, jerseys. That only counts. Which matches the goals. Yes. Yeah, it matches the goals they got. It does. <laughs> it was a great start, definitely. That only counts six if I include the fact that one of them is reversible, uh, <laughs> which makes it two. Um, yeah, big, big England fan here. Uh, tongue, I mean, I just always have the motherland, whatever you want to call it. Maybe it's because uh, we follow the Premier League so closely here as well. Uh, but yeah, it's been a fantastic uh, start to the tournament as far as I'm concerned. I've got France in the uh, office sweepstakes as well. Mm-hmm. And after a little uh, scare early on, that all turned out roses as far as I was concerned. So, yes, it, it has been a wonderful start. That England game, I would say that's the kind of game at these tournaments that they 
uh, you know, it's a scratchy win. They score something late and they beat them 1-0 with a dodgy penalty or something. Uh, it's just the last three tournaments for England. They just, I just don't see that. And, and they've obviously progressed to decent stages deep into the tournament more than they have in the in, in the decades gone by previously. They, they don't seem to be as, well, they don't choke as often as they used to. So, um, mm. you know, I've probably put the kibosh on them now. Uh, but whilst they might not be the Brazil-style favourites, uh, I, I do believe they are not uh, the England of, you know, the last couple of decades. These last three tournaments, they're okay under pressure, and I think that's probably Southgate's leadership. Okay, interesting. He certainly has made an impression, Gareth Southgate. They will not win it, though, with Harry Maguire. They just will not win it as long as Harry Maguire is in that team. Look, I understand loyalty. I understand coach relationships, and that guy hasn't let you down in the past. But, yeah, they will not win it if Harry Maguire is still in that defensive outfit as this tournament progresses. Um, but I share Ruben's sentiment when it comes to England. I hate English rugby with an absolute passion, but I love English football, and I cannot tell you why. I think it is the Liverpool connection. Okay, well, let's stay on the Manchester United connection there with uh, Maguire. Uh, And he no longer is going to have Cristiano Ronaldo as a teammate by the look of it, Mark Watson. So this is uh, the end of a pretty ugly era for Manchester United. Yeah, look, I I think what Cristiano Ronaldo's got to realise, he's 38. He's not quite the player that he once was. And Eric Ten Hag, I think, has identified that. He's not that... He doesn't do the hard yards anymore. He tends to sit up front a lot more. I think if you put a, a GPS on him and measured the distance that he covered, I think you would see a major drop-off in what he once did around a football field. And I think Cristiano Ronaldo is probably just struggling accepting the fact that he's not as good as he once was and he still wants to be as good as he once was. Um, has this damaged his reputation? Oh, look, maybe with some Manchester United fans, but... 10, 15 years now, when it's all said and done, they'll just look back and Ronaldo will be talked about the era of Messi and he'll be considered one of the greats. Uh, where to for him? He'll probably end up in Miami, won't he? With David Beckham's American outfit, that's generally where you end up once your career is pretty much done and dusted. You sort of go and play in the United States. But look, I think it's good for Manchester United. Um, clearly disruptive. They're trying to turn things around. Um, and, yeah, this hasn't helped that situation at all. Um, but, again, like England, as long as Manchester United have got Harry Maguire, they're not going to go far. <laughs> OK, let's look at uh, the Black Caps' uh, performance uh, last night. Uh, without Kane Williamson, which is becoming a bit of an issue to talk about, and now, clearly, without Martin Guptill. So, uh, <clears throat> this is starting to become uh, almost... Uh, is it the start of a new era, Mark Watson? Is it, is it possible to, to think that the, we're starting a new era here or not? Well, I, I, I think you do. I mean, I think you've got some good players there. Conway is, you know, clearly clearly uh, an absolute star in the making. Oh, I'm sort of hearing a few rumours that there is the division between Gary Stead and Kane Williamson, and that's not all necessarily. That's not That relationship's not good. There's slightly different philosophies there. Oh, I think the new era starts when Kane Williamson maybe steps down from playing white ball cricket. And I think that should be the big discussion point at the moment. Um, what did he score, 50 the other day or 48 um, balls? Uh, hasn't been in great nick for the last 18 months, but it's that whole thing, isn't it? You get rid of Kane Williamson, who do you bring in? Um, but look, you know, I, I was just trying to think. I, I looked at that one-day game yesterday. Um, we were updating regularly England-Australia. There must have been about 3,000 people at the MCG watching one-day cricket. I mean, this is England-Australia. This has got Steve Smith. It's got David Warner. It's got some of the greatest players that have ever played the game, and no one's watching it. 
And that's going to be a concern for cricket at a wider issue. And you're thinking, well, okay, so what does T20 cricket now mean? And you're going, well, it just puts a smile on your face. It's not really a game that leaves a legacy. And so why not? Why doesn't New Zealand cricket now look to change it up, bring in some useful exuberance? And I hate sport doing it, but put all your eggs in one basket and try and build towards the next T20 World Cup, which tend to come around every two years. So we're not winning at the moment. It's a fickle game. Um, give guys like Chapman more opportunity. Um, I think there are some really exciting things happening in New Zealand cricket, but yeah, clearly just something not quite right at the moment. So I lost a T20 series, Ruben, um, albeit rain-dominated. Um, but India take the series 1-0, and now the attention turns to uh, Eden Park, the first of three one-day internationals. Well, what are you predicting there? I mean, to, and I got a bit of trouble with Frank this morning because I predicted that India would get whopped in the series because of all the defections that I, they had, and of course that hasn't been the case. Um, <clears throat> what about the one-day series? Can we dominate that? I think we can. I think things will come right. I think with Kane, I think people are measuring his form against his record, which, yes, relative to him, he is not. uh, But we've got to remember this is across all codes. He hasn't been in particularly good form of late. But if you you look at his form, he's really out of touch compared to what we know he's capable of. But I would still have him in that team unless we're worried about, uh, you know, his long term um, health because of because of his elbow injury and making sure that he can have some longevity in in his career. Um, so that's where I stand with, with with Kane. By his standards, he's out of form, but I still have him in that team. Um, so, no, I think things will come right for this uh, one day series. It's just hard to get too, too excited considering all the Indian players who have not come to the series and whether they're taking it seriously. Clearly it feels like they're not. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, Very interesting uh, indeed on on that particular score. Uh, Mark Watson, if I put you in the hot seat, uh, you're used to that. Um, Sports Woman of the Year on the back of Lydia Coe's performance. Uh, Is she a chance? Yeah, look, she is, but I think you have to go with Zoe Sadowski's Senate. I think we forget that she won Olympic Games gold at the Winter Olympics. Uh, first ever Winter Olympics gold for a New Zealand athlete. She also picked up a bronze. Um, it's easy to get caught up in the here and the now. Olivia Coe definitely in the mix, without a doubt. Um, but look, I, I've got, I, I've just, it's the Olympics, and you've only got to look back through our Winter Olympic history. We don't win a lot of medals, which demonstrates just how difficult it is. Uh, I think the thing that misses off Lydia Coe this year is she doesn't have that major championship. And what I will say, where I think golf and some of those sports have a bit more of an advantage, they get opportunities every week to right the wrongs from the previous week. And so they get a lot more chances at winning the big things where, you know, that Olympic Games, it's pretty much one off. You've got to get it right. It's once every four years. Um, But look, yeah, it's a great debate. It's just a wonderful reflection on the depth and width of sport in this country, particularly amongst our women, that we can be world-class in snow sports, we can be world-class in golf, world-class in rugby. We've got Joelle King doing great things in squash, and uh, and that's only a few sports. So, yeah, and look, and I think right across the board, when it actually comes to the overall Halberg Award, I know there's a lot of emotion around the women's rugby team and all the rest of it, but Zoe Sadowski-Sinnott should win this, and she should win it comfortably. Okay, Ruben, is that is that how you see it? I mean, uh, I mean, the Black Ferns dominating the Rugby Awards the other day. I, I would imagine they'll be Team of the Year. R- Wayne Smith will be Coach of the Year. But 
How about female athlete of the year? Will that come from the Black Fern squad as an individual or outside? Yeah, I was certainly looking at your your Porsches um, and uh, Stacey Flula. You know, what a game that final! I think you ha- you have to uh, recognise that there were there were a handful of players in that Black Ferns team who who really stood up this season and during that tournament when it really counted. Um, and I don't think you could separate them. And uh, probably a lock for team of the year. And it yeah, it has to be that historic first gold at a Winter Olympics that has to uh, I think trump the other achievements for mine Lydia fantastic brilliant she'll be right up there uh, but I think that first gold is hard to go past Okay uh, thanks very much gentlemen uh, Mark Watson and Reuben Bradley have been our guests this morning on the panel there will be another one of course uh, tomorrow morning um, and uh, thanks for your p- participation it is coming up to 10.43 here on SENZ your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Right, uh, 10.48, let's get uh, through some texts that you've kindly sent in. Hey mate, I think the T20 World Cup showed us that unless you're in the elite group of players, you need T20 specialists. We had a young bloke called Will Williams in Canterbury who could bowl Yorkers for fun and was an exceptional death bowler. New Zealand cricket. Let him leave to the UK without a chance for the Black Caps. Mm, it was a name I actually uh, had associated with too, Will Williams. Uh, it's um, yeah, sad the, to let that one go by the look of it. Brad, a list of players who I dropped from the All Blacks ASAP. Nepo Laulala offers nothing. Dane Coles, his time has come, has, to give up has come. Akira Ioani had plenty of chances, hasn't taken any of them. And Finlay Christie doesn't look up to that level yet. Look at that, Ken, says Brad. Look at that, Ken. Three Blues players. Uh, I'm an Aussie golf fan, and I absolutely love Ryan Fox. He's a ripper. You guys must be so proud of him. Dazza, you bet we are. He has been sensational. Always available to the show, too, on uh, various uh, various shows at different times of the day. He's always been uh, very good with his time for us, <coughs> and he's <coughs> he's just a good advert for the game and for sport. Jeremy, uh, watching Alan last night. This is Finn Allen. After six or seven matches, he's still not learnt to see off the first few balls of an over to see what it's doing. He he goes for it first or second ball. He's had two OK innings. He isn't changing how he's getting out. He needs to watch how Conway and Phillips do it. Uh, Says Jeremy. In other words, be a bit more selective. Certainly, uh, bowlers are targeting his front pad because they know he's going to be just shuffling across in front. Uh, and he's uh, particularly susceptible to that. So, like uh, all uh, players uh, on the on the uh, front uh, where you get uh, televised uh, and people do homework on you, you have to make adjustments from time to time. Uh, And uh, here we go, Uh, Smithy, uh, this is from Nathan. Not sure if it's been said, but I want to congratulate for your commentary on the World Cup. It was great to have some balance amongst the sycophants. I especially enjoyed it when you took Howie to task after he called Mitch and Marsh's sixth the shot of the tournament. Well done, yeah. Howie's a great character and I look forward to spending uh, some time with him in the coming weeks. Uh, thank you very much for those texts. More after 11 o'clock. We're going to take a break because we need to talk to Louie uh, and the TAB very shortly. And service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The Love Racing.NZ update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. Good morning again to Louis Herman Watt and they're racing today at Avondale. Louis, 10 races beginning at 1.03. Yeah, it'll be heavy. 
It'll be heavy going, Smithy. It is wet, and it was bucketing down last night. It is windy, and the sun is out, but it's not necessarily a warm November's day, so I doubt very highly that the, the track will be coming back at all. So expect a heavy 10 out there. So that's why the fields have been decimated with scratching. There are a couple that will get through it all right, though, that you'll be able to find and spot across the day. Uh, one I mentioned earlier on the breakfast show was race six, full of sincerity. Um, has only raced on soft tracks today, Smithy, but look, I think from what I could tell, got through them easily enough. And that track at Tauranga did look a little bit worse than a soft seven as well. Um, so that's race number six, number eight, full of sincerity. I think that'll be charging to the line strongly. And in race number nine, Kiwi's Cruising, whilst it's bred to get through it, the reliable man, Gelding. Um, again, if you got the $5.50 before the scratchings, obviously no deductions, you will be laughing because it's into $2.10 now. And looked a nice shot from Barrier 2 at $5.50 before the scratchings anyway. But seriously, what have we got? One, two, three, four, five, six horses in the race. So... I think those two, race nine, number one, and race six, number eight, can get us off to a good way to start the week. And then tomorrow, we're at uh, Levin. But then I said I'd give you the odds for the Levin States and the Wellington States tomorrow, so I'd better do that, mate, because um, as you prepare to head off to Australia, you want some pocket money. Um, Devastate mm-hmm. is a $3 favourite in the Wellington States, and again, it will be wet down there. It's a heavy night at the moment. It should have no issue getting through the heavy track, I wouldn't have thought the Vatamos devastate, and that's the $3 favourite, but watch out for She's Dominant, who's taken market support, and in the Levin Stakes, which is race 5 at Otaki tomorrow, Butler has been punched in from 250 to 2.30 already, look, this El Sharik caliper is very talented, it should be able to handle this field, the only thing I say, can it cop the 60 and build on a heavy track, and, and that's the risk you're taking, but $2.30 seems about fair to me. Louis Herman, what there with a number of options for us to make some money, folks, in the next two days. Uh, Pip Morris also who will have some as well. Pip, they're uh, racing today, uh, the Greyhounds at Palmerston North, but a lot of focus around the World Cup in terms of sports betting. Good morning, Mother. Yes, absolutely there is. And I can tell you, too, 86% of the marketing for tonight's football match there head to head at two dollars and ten cents. They're also the biggest bet for that match has been a two thousand dollar bet on Croatia at two dollars. They're really well back to overall. Argentina's slightly the best back in the outright winner market at nine fifty, but then Brazil at four dollars. And I can tell you a really popular power play too, just quickly there in the tournament is Netherlands, Spain, England and Portugal all to make the quarterfinals at eleven dollars Smithy. It's been really popular. And just quickly at Palmerston North, I think Claws and Creed in race number 10 is a nice bet. Box number three at $4. So plenty to check out there on tab.co.nz. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's 11.02 here on SENZ and every now and then uh, we get some uh, terrific interviews across the board on the show but I'm really looking forward to this one because uh, this next guest is uh, something very, very special, a great friend of mine but also been a great 
friend to cricket over the years. Um, talking about Ravi Shastri, played 80 tests, scoring 11 hundreds in the process, 151 test wickets, uh, 151 day internationals. Uh, he has uh, a, a long list of first cast careers too in India and England. And, uh, of course, just recently he has been the head coach of the Indian cricket team. A true legend in India and around the world, and a great pleasure to welcome uh, Ravi Shastri to the show this morning. Good morning, sir. Morning, Smitty. How are you? I'm really good, Ravi. Uh, Really good. Uh, Mate, what I wanted to talk to you uh, a little bit about, uh, we talk about pressure in sport with the All Blacks, etc., in this country. But uh, you live life in a different uh, uh, kettle of fish in terms of pressure because uh, cricket in India is uh, such a, a huge deal. Tell us a way about, first of all, the pressure of playing for India. I think it's massive. It's, uh, and it goes with the terrain. Let's uh, be fair about it. Because from a young age, you know, a young kid knows how difficult it is to play for India, how lucky it is to play for India in a country of... Uh, you know, 1.4 billion, only 11 can get onto the park on a given day when a match is live. So he realizes uh, the percentages involved there when you count 11 out of 1.4 to make it to the park and uh, the expectations, the pressures that come with it. So, you know, right from a young age, you're subconsciously uh, training your mind to, to be good whenever you get the opportunity. And uh, you realize that there is no backward step. Uh, you know, the sooner you realize the only way forward is by grabbing opportunities with both hands and going for the jugular. That's the only way you can come out on top. And uh, if you can leave insecurities behind at the earliest, I know it's easier said than done. But, you know, for example, take it in a way where you say, I've got three matches a week. You know, I've got three opportunities. If I fail in one, I have an opportunity in the other two. If I fail in two, I have an opportunity in the third one. And if I crack one, I've made it. So, you know, it's uh, it's how you can ease the responsibility on yourself by thinking uh, differently and then uh, training your mind accordingly. But pressure is massive. And like I said, you learn very young. Ravi, um, on top of that, then you had the responsibility of being the head coach for India. Um, and this is a country that demands success. It absolutely lives for cricketing success. Tell us about that role. I think it was the toughest, and everything I've done in my four decades uh, in the game as a player, as a broadcaster, you know, as you know, part of governing councils of uh, or committees of the ICC or the IPL. But uh, this was the toughest, and I say it for one reason. You know, as a player. You had a bat, you had a ball in your hand. You could control things to an extent, you know, with uh, your ability. Uh, as a broadcaster, you've got a mic in your hand. You know, as a, as a committee member, you've got a mouth that can shoot off and say what you want to say and, uh, you know, give your side of the story. As a coach, everything is done behind doors. And once the blokes are out on the park, all you can do is twiddle your thumbs. You know, as much as you want to put out your hair in frustration or, you know, say whatever you have to, there's nothing you can do till the boys are back after the six hours or seven hours or whatever, or if they come during a break. That's it. So it becomes tough. And in a country like India, you're damn right when you say all they know is win. For them, there's no quarantine. There's no bubble. 
there's no covid once the team is on the park you have to win i'm sitting in my bedroom in air conditioning comfort i've got my my drink out there i've got my food out there i've got my buddies out there watching the game you jolly well win we don't care if you're in the bubble or what we don't know what that is you know we are watching a game we want you to win so every day you go out there you know what's pointing in your direction it can be a thankless job it can be a lonely job but let me assure you one thing that is extremely rewarding very very rewarding because it's tough people realize it after a while you know that uh, what a bloke has to go through and if you can take to the team to heights that uh, probably they've not been through before you know then it makes your job uh, you know exceedingly rewarding you know especially in my case when i took over the reins the team was uh, 7 6 5 in the rankings you know by the end of my term they were always or probably halfway through my term they were always in the top 2 or 3 across all formats and when it came to test match cricket you know they they finished in the icc rankings number 1 five years on the trot and uh, it was new zealand who beat us in that one off uh, test championship final otherwise for five years to be at number 1 is is no joke when you play test cricket across the world and that's something unheard of for indians great white ball record good white ball there but when it came to red ball cricket traveling the globe and then holding that position meant a lot so It's tough, but it's rewarding. Ravi, uh, once you make it, once you you crack that um, that barrier, as you said, you have that success and you you're through the door. How much does it affect your lifestyle as such? How much do you become public property in India? How much privacy can you get? You become public property. There's no privacy. There's no escaping uh, uh, that. There's, you have nothing to hide behind. Let me assure you that. And, and the modern day cricketer. You know, I feel for him because uh, in our time, probably there would be print media, there would be a couple of uh, broadcasting channels back home, uh, big print media. So you know, the uh, the glare was there, but today, you know, with the electronic media, with the news channels, with the various OTT platforms coming in, with social media taking over, it is uh, literally impossible for a guy to hide. You know, he is in the public glare, whether he likes it or not. He's public property, whether you know he wants to be part of it or not. Once you get the stamp playing for India, you know there's no there's no looking back. You this is what you're going to be thrown into. It's a frying pan, and and realize you know that there's no escaping it. So you you've got to find ways how you handle it. You know which. Uh, you know makes me come to the point in in our day and age when we played you know we were much more accessible to the media today you find a guy is being a lot more reluctant because uh, you know there is always uh, that doubt in their mind how is it going to be uh, taken across the globe you know a lot of things taken out of context because of uh, the various platforms that exist in the media you know news want news sports channels uh, want sport properly you know covered so you know and a thing a sentence taken out of context could really make a bloke go into his shell and i've seen it with, and, you know where i have we have to speak to the guys after that and try and get them out of it and tell them you know it's uh, it was taken out of context but it's hard and uh, it's something we have to live with now and it's becoming increasingly harder So Ravi, uh, we talk a lot in this country about pressure on athletes and support 
behind the scenes for those athletes when things don't go well. We've had issues in this country, male and female. I just wonder, do you have to put those in place for the likes of, uh, say, a Kohli or a, a Rohit Sharma who go through a bad patch? Absolutely. In, in fact, you've got to put on that uh, that jacket, that bulletproof. You know, especially when I was coach at times, you know, you know, to be honest, uh, you've got to have a hide like real, real proper hide. You know, where nothing faces you. You are not intimidated by no one, no media. You know, you're not bothered about that. And you take the bullets and you fire bullets on behalf of the team. You know, at times, and, and let the bullets come your way. I mean, you deflect it from the players, take it on yourself. So you become the bad cop, you know, for that moment of time. Till that guy goes through that phase and comes out of it. So these are lessons I learned on the way. It wasn't trained just like you learned your cricket on the way, just like you, whatever you did in broadcasting, you learn on the way. The same thing, you know, once you're thrown into the deep end, that's when you, that you learn, that's how, that's when you react and that's when you learn. So, uh, you know, this was my philosophy being, uh, you know, Indian and being the, the, seeing the volume of people that would follow and cover the sport and uh, want to take you down at any given opportunity. So that, that's the time where you become the protector, you know, and the shield for the team. And, uh, and take it on yourself. You know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You know, luckily for me, you know, at times when I look back and see some of the statements I made, they're well over the top. But, I, I, you know, I sit back today and say, I'm glad I said it. Because that ruffled a few feathers and uh, took them into another direction and took the heat of my players. You know, instead it came on me. And uh, as a result, short, the boys reacted and they came, came out strongly to do what they did in countries like South Africa, Australia, New Zealand at times, and white ball cricket. You know, they were fabulous. I mean, something they'd never done in their lifetime. So it was England, not to mention. It was. Uh, it was very heartening. Ravi, uh, I just wonder, you know, we talk about uh, television's audiences. You're, you're back in the television game now as well. What kind of numbers would be watching um, an India-Pakistan game or maybe an India-Australia high-profile game? What, what numbers would you be thinking? I mean, crazy numbers. I mean, the record for that game, I remember a game we played in the 2015 World Cup, which was at... Uh, Correct me here, you'll be very good at this. 228 million or billion, I don't know. That were watching the telecast 2015 India Pakistan World Cup in Adelaide. And this year, you had India Pakistan with uh, 90,000 people. That is seven years down the line, 2022, 2022. Uh, I would imagine that would have touched 300 this year. I mean, and it is. Mind-boggling figures, what you're talking of, billion. You know, if it is a billion, it's mind-boggling. And uh, that telecast in 2015 was rated as uh, one of the highest-viewed games, top five. It came in the top five. It came after Bolt's 100 meters at uh, FIFA World Cup final. It had uh, that game and a following game with South Africa, which also had, I think they came in the top six of the highest viewed sporting events till then, which is 
you know, and, and today now seven years down the line, this must have hit the jackpot for sure. Ravi, um, I just wonder too, um, your thoughts on the future of Test Cricket. You live in the hub. You live where cricket really is at fever pitch the whole time, depending. It doesn't really matter what form it is. It, uh, India are, are central to most things that are happening in world cricket. Um, what about Test Cricket from your point of view? You, you're a very good uh, player of it. You've been a great commentator of it, a coach of it, an advocate for it. Where do you see it? I think it's in very good space in India. I think, you know, the one thing I enjoyed in my tenure was not having to tell the boys the importance of test matches or, you know, where it stands amongst players, amongst, you know, contemporaries when you move on after playing the game of cricket. I didn't have to tell them. And, and I had no bigger ambassador than in my captain, Virat Kohli. He was uh, unbelievable when it came to test match cricket and promoting test match cricket around the globe. You know, he wanted it bad. He wanted to win. And that... You know, that just spread around the uh, rest of the team. You know, the numbers they would make in the IPL, you know, the, that's the cash cow. But deep down, when I used to go and ask these guys, you know, what do you want? They said, we want to play for India Test Cricket for uh, <clears throat> some span of time and do exceedingly well. That, you know, really, uh, you know, for me, it was so refreshing to hear because, you know, Two months of cricket with all the box in the world can easily make you sit back. And you've got every right to, you know, in this day and age, to do what you want. You're, you're a young kid, you're a professional. You, know, you can tell the blokes, you know, it's not my fault. I'm that good that I'm getting that kind of money. You know, who are you to tell me what to do after two months? He can easily turn around and tell you that. And he's got the right to. But the fact that they want to play for India, they want to play test match cricket, was really heartening for me. So I see in the subcontinent, but particularly with strong teams like India, Pakistan, a strong Asian continent. You know, you will, uh, Sri Lanka, you know, if they get their act together, they're a very strong team, especially at home. You know, they and Bangladesh improving at home. These are good teams. You know, is healthy. You know, I see no reason why test cricket cannot survive because it's big in New Zealand, England, South Africa, you know, in, in these kind of places. Of course, Australia <clears throat> will lead, take the lead in that all the time. So, which is uh, which is very good. But when you ask me about India, I think it's in healthy space. Fantastic to to hear that, Ravi. It really is. Uh, listen, I, I sat on a taxi with you on the way to the uh, I think it was the MCG not long ago, and that was after mm. India had announced their squad to come to New Zealand, and uh, there were a lot of players, uh, high profile players, who decided that uh, they would not come. I said to you, "What about this side?" And you said to me um, uh, with a, a bit of a, a bit of a smile. Uh, this could be this side could be even better than you think, and uh, and the, you look at players like Surya Kumar Yadav, who is becoming a phenomenon in the game very quickly. You were dead right. This is a good side. This is a very good side, you know, because I've always believed the best sides in the world have a mixture of experience, but a lot of youth, especially in this format of the game. You need it to be the other way around when it comes to Test cricket. This format, you need that youth. You need that exuberance of youth. That will bring fearlessness, you know, into the listing and that audacity, which at times will go missing from a guy who's been hanging around for a long time because of the baggage and the expectation he has to carry. These guys come without baggage. They'll get out there and smack it, you know, but if you get the right balance and the right, uh, right mix, and you've got to constantly feed that mix in T20 cricket. 
otherwise you'll be lost. I think England have done it fabulously well, and they're showing why they are right up there. Other teams will follow now. You know, the world doesn't wait. They'll, they'll watch. They've seen what England has uh, done and how they've tasted success, and they'll move in that direction. So I see a new captain here in Hardik Pandya. I think he'll be very, very good for India in the in the long run if he stays fit. But even if he doesn't, if, if he can just be on that field, take part in at least one department, I think he's got the leadership qualities that are needed. He'll build a team around him. You know, we have a wealth of uh, players back home in India that play the IPL. I don't think we've picked right. We've picked the player, but we've not picked the player for the number, right, in the past. And that's where I think Hardik will come in. He will identify who gets into the number one slot, who gets into two, who gets into three, who fits this number seven slot, or as a bowling department, what it needs. You know, you need a bowler who can roll his arm over in the top five or six. He will ensure that will happen apart from himself. So I think Indian cricket is in good hands. This was a good tour. This was a good test, albeit brain affected in just a couple of games. But you got a cycle of what to come. And in Surya Kumar Yadav, you were right. You've got an absolutely, you know, phenomenal player. I mean, play those kind of shots with that kind of regularity and uh, and confidence is uh, quite un. Unbelievable. If someone had told me 10 years ago, people would be hitting in that area with that kind of consistency and frequency, I would have said, you're mad. Mm. You're mad. Uh, all right. Uh, hey, Ravi, can you put, just finally, could you put a another hat on? Um, and uh, you've had a good look at the New Zealand T20 side in the last uh, six, seven weeks. You're continuing to see that. Mm. If you were coaching mm. the New Zealand cricket side, what what would you tell them? How would you tell them to play the game at the moment? I think you need that mix. You know, every team goes through a, a period where they've got to uh, change. India will have to start doing it in the test match arena as well in about six, eight months' time. Where, uh, you know, you've got to get some youth in. You've got to get guys who, uh, you know, who have that fearlessness, have that audacity, who don't have that baggage, who will chill in with some of the senior players and, uh, you know, will learn from them. So you will need to make that constant change, which means, you know, might be uh, a hard call to take, but you've got to take hard calls because uh, if you want to set the standards, you have set and no one has set higher standards than New Zealand. I mean, when it comes to playing ICC tournaments and playing, uh, playing in the big tournaments, they're always there to compete. They were there to compete even this year. You know, but I think the time has come now for New Zealand, especially in T20 cricket, to get some youth in, if there is youth. And only change if, there is, if you have players in the, uh, on the bench. If you don't, then you'll have to try tactically something different. But otherwise, if you have them, then put them into the mix. You know, it might take a little bit of time, but it will definitely make a difference. Ravi Shastri, uh, an absolute honour and pleasure to have you on uh, our show here this morning. Uh, thank you very much for your time, mate. We will catch up personally very shortly, I'm sure, but... Um, in the meantime, travel safely around New Zealand and uh, when you when you head home. Thanks, mate. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks, Billy. Don't you worry. You're from Napier, I know. But before I leave, I'm going to go and dive into that crayfish, okay, this afternoon. You do that. You absolutely do that, uh, Ravi. <laughs> uh, I think you, you deserve two very, very big crayfish. Thank you very much, mate. Appreciate it. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Bye. Cheers.
Just uh, Ravi Shastri with you, uh, with us, folks. Uh, an absolute gentleman, a star of uh, the world game, uh, and they're just talking about pressure situations. And I wanted to talk to Ravi about that because <clears throat> I don't think we quite grasp uh, what pressure is in sport in this country. We, we put pressure on our, our players, and uh, you know we, we talk about them from time to time, and we talk about the coaching structure, and that has been a big focus of the last 12 months of sport in this country across a number of codes. But honestly, um, live that life. Live the life in India where it is, uh, I won't say life and death, but it's pretty damn close to it at times. Uh, That's how deeply they feel about the game and how much pressure they play under. Sure, they get some nice financial rewards, but they deserve every bit of it. I promise you that. They can't live the life they would like to live once they make the grade. Um, You know, there have been classic stories about likes of Ravi Shastri, of, of Sachin Tendulkar, Virat Kohli these days who cannot live anything like a normal life and they live for the opportunity to travel overseas to small places where no one knows who they are and just get a taste of what it used to be like. Uh, Wonderful stories there from Ravi Shastri and I thank him for his time. It is 11.24 here on SENZ. Bring your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh, just a couple of uh, quick texts uh, before uh, Stump Smithy. Uh, three wickets, uh, three missed wickets and two missed uh, fields and uh, boundaries cost us the DWL win uh, last night, says uh, Scott. Uh, thank you very much for that. Uh, hey, Smithy, texting yesterday about Santner. Feel like a broken record, but while we continue to consider him as an all-rounder, his batting is not good enough. We are a batter short in our last four games. We have lost by a lack of runs. We cannot play Sodi and Santner together because it leaves us run short. Why does it seem such a difficult thing for Stead to work out at the World Cup? England, Pakistan and India played seven batsmen. Why don't we learn? Interesting thoughts there. Uh, More texts hopefully in the next half hour as well. But uh, the all-important matter of $150 is up for grabs now. Uh, And that uh, is if you call 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. You have the opportunity to stump Smithy. Uh, Look forward to your calls. Uh, In the meantime... Uh, let's hear from Aroha with the 11.30 update. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yes, it's the big one here on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Stumped by Smithy. We're playing for a cold, hard $150 TAB bonus bet. Can't wait for that one, Smithy. Last day, we're going to go big. How are you feeling? Yeah, pretty confident, actually. I quite like to handle a couple of hundred bucks over to uh, to uh, Ricardo tomorrow, and uh, we got a text in to say who will be replacing you on the show, and, of course, uh, the, the, the text has said, I hope it's Ricardo. Well, you've got your wish. Yes, it's Ricardo Ball, and what a perfect time for Ricardo to come back <laughs> into the hot seat with the Football World Cup on. Absolutely magic. You will have so much information at your disposal. It will be absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, Ricardo in uh, tomorrow, but today, who are we playing against? Who's got this opportunity? Well, first of all, at the crease, we're going to go to Christchurch, Smithy, and Wade's coming in hot. He's got his bat ready. Let's go, mate. Morning, guys. G'day, Wade. How's it going? You've been a winner before, haven't you? I managed to sneak one past Stephen McCoy while you're away, yeah. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Right, let's see how you go. Uh, today um, and uh, Logan, what are the what are the options today? What, what are our uh, our particular categories? Well, Smithy, I was 
conducting uh, the questions this morning with our third umpire, Brian Radari. And we've decided, look, it's it's your last day of the year. It's keeper's choice. You don't know the keeper's you don't, choice. Keeper's choice. You don't right. know the topics. You don't know the questions. But I'll give them to you now. You got rugby league, cricket, or golf. Rightio, uh, Wade. You would be thinking I'll take cricket, but I'll take golf. There you go, Wade. I'll take golf. I was hoping you'd take cricket, Smithy. Did you see? <laughs> oh, well, look, we can come to an arrangement if you like. You'd seriously want me to take take cricket? It's up to you. Oh, mate, I'm the cricket player down here myself, so hey, go out the blaze of glory, don't you? Okay, well, okay, I'll change, I'll change, because uh, that's the kind of show we are. We, we're, we're susceptible to change and we're uh, happy to change, so we'll go cricket. Wade and I will go head-to-head on cricket. How's that? All right, sounds good. Good luck to you both. First question for you, Wade. The Black Caps have wrapped up the T20 series versus India with a loss, a washout, and a draw. Who scored the most runs in a single innings for the Black Caps during this T20 tour? I knew I should have walked back for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Conway. One of the worst things I have ever seen oh, done on a cricket right. field. Smithy, who scored the most runs in a single innings for the Black Caps? Oh, God, there's only two games. How can I not know this? <laughs> um, if it's not, I was going to say Conway. I was going to say Conway. Um, I'm not thinking Phillips uh, got a big score. Um, I'm not thinking Daryl Mitchell got a big score. I know Finn Allen didn't get a big score. Um, let me think. Um, and I don't think it's Jimmy Neesham, so that's limiting me ever so greatly. Uh, Decane Williamson? Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yep, that's right. Captain Kane, 61 off 52 balls there, Smithy. So, hard luck to you, Wade. Back to the pavilion for you. Next up at the crease, we've got Jason from Auckland. Come in, mate. Hey, uh, how's it going? Hello, Jason. How's it going? Do you want to stay on yeah, cricket? I'm feeling, I'm, oh, I'm feeling I generous. Do you want to... Love cricket, but well, the hey. knowledge isn't as good as yours. <laughs> Well, you've got other options there. With that, with that, this morning we're fairly in such a generous mood because it's there's a slight, slight Christmas feel to about it. Uh, you've also got rugby league, and you've also uh, also got uh, golf up your sleeve. So you can have a pick. Nah, we'll stay with cricket. All right, okay, cool. all right. Second question for you, Jason. Of all the T20 matches between New Zealand and India in their history, which Black Caps bowler has taken the most total wickets? In all international matches? Yeah, T20 matches between New Zealand and oh, India. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, look, let's go East Stody. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. East, East Sodi, baby, 22 wickets. Tim Southey was second with 20, Smithy. I would never have got East Sodi. I would never have thought he played enough or got selected enough. That's a great answer. Well done, Jason. Well done, sir. Thank you. I'm quite, quite happy with that guess. <laughs> you can hear it. All right. Well, uh, last question for you, mate. $150 TAB bonus bet up for grabs here. Rohit Sharma has scored 511 total runs versus the Black Caps in T20 cricket with the highest total of any batter of the two nations. 
But which Black Caps batter is second on that list? Uh, I don't have to go with Martin Guttel for that one. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy, it's either $150 to Jason or we're jackpotting to 200 to play with Ricardo tomorrow. So the second uh, most runs outside of Rohul, Rohit Sharma is a Kiwi, yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm tempted to go with Kane. I really am tempted to go to Kane if, if Martin Guptill's not it because we're looking over a fairly long period of time. Um, but I won't. I won't, I won't, I won't. I'm going to go Daryl Mitchell, left field. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Oh, Smithy, you, you want to talk about left field. I don't know if you would have uh, guessed this one. Colin Munro. No, oh, I wouldn't have got yeah. it, honestly. No, Manners, eh? Good old Colin Munro, no, I wouldn't have got that. Another one lost. Should still be in the team. Yeah, well, good point, Jason. Absolutely good point, um, to be perfectly honest. And now, of course, he's uh, doing what Martin Guptill's about to do, um, and that's opened himself up to the world of franchise. Uh, Jace, uh, congratulations. Uh, you have won $150 from the TAV. You stay on the line. Yeah, Brian will make sure he's got all your details so you can make use of that money as soon as possible. Great day for you. Thank you, mate, for taking part. Cheers, Smithy. Enjoy your break. Cheers. Uh, thanks very much. It's 11.39 here on SENZ. Jason from Auckland, the big winner this morning, will be back very shortly. We will be talking to Andy Thompson. Of course, it's Rural Roundup Day being a Wednesday. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. And it's 11.44 here on SENZ and you know that every Wednesday uh, between 12 and 1, it's the Rural Roundup show with uh, Andy Thompson. Uh, and that, of course, uh, runs on all of our frequencies outside of Auckland and Wellington. So Andy joins us uh, right now as we look to uh, preview uh, that show. Andy, a uh, number of things uh, that I could uh, kick off with. Uh, how the hell did you draw Saudi Arabia in the office sweep and ha- have them beat Argentina? Point one. Smithy, g'day, mate. Um, I don't know. I was must say I was uh, fairly... In fact, my response was a one-word response when I was told that that was a team I'd drawn and I thought it was rigged and demanded a redraw. But um, I watched the first half last night, went to bed at 1-0 to Argentina, not even in my wildest dreams considering that Saudi Arabia were going to beat the Argentinians after the first half. And I think they scored three times, but Ross side three times the Argentinians. So I'll take it, mate. It's probably the only victory or the only highlight for me... <laughs> In the um, in this uh, football World Cup, but I'm going to take that one. Yeah, I'd take it with both hands. Actually, uh, I really would. The other issue uh, I've just uh, been looking at is a Ute fire. Were the Ute struck by lightning? Yeah. Yeah, Hokitika. We had this on the west coast. I know it's been all over the North Island, so you know I know there was thunder and lightning yesterday. But uh, last night, about uh, six, seven o'clock, there was a massive thunderstorm that came across uh, Greymouth and down into Hokitika. I'm not sure which way it went, but there was a Ute at Awatuna, which is literally just at the end of the road where our farmers, just between Hokitika and Greymouth, uh, a young fellow guy by the name of Caleb Harris, 20 year old, was driving along, and his um, Ranger Ute got struck by lightning, caught fire. Luckily, 
he managed to get himself out of it uh, and wasn't hurt at all. But can you just believe that? Go on to, there's some great photos on the Herald. There's also some good photos on the Rural Roundup Facebook page of the blackened ranger ute. I put it on Twitter last night, and let's just say there were a lot of comments. You know what people are like between Ford and and Toyota when it comes to utes. Um, there was some pros and some negatives <laughs> about the ute catching on fire. The good thing is that Caleb's fine, though, so uh, good luck to him. That's cool. I notice you've got a co-host today. I have. I've got uh, Eve McCullum's here co-hosting me today. She's a regular on the Rural Roundup. She happens to be here, uh, and she's going to add some younger views. She's going to bring the average age uh, of the SENZ coast down by about 40 years, actually, Smithy, if you get what I'm saying. That's going to be interesting to get both your perspectives because uh, one of the other issues, of course, uh, Andy, is is, uh, farmer angst. Now, I'm not sure this is a this is a recent thing or whether this has been going on since the year dot where farmers are unhappy about something. But what specifically at the moment yeah. brings uh, that to your attention? Hewaka Rekanoa, um, Smithy. Um, We're all in this together. Emissions pricing for farming. It's probably the most divisive issue that I think has been out there for a very, very long time. You've got uh, the levy bodies on one side, uh, you've got the government on the other side, and now, surprisingly, you've got federated farmers on another side. They've basically pulled their support from Hawaka Rekanoa. They signed up to the original um, the original proposal that went to government on May 31st this year. The government's come back with their response and no one's happy with it. Uh, we've got Damien O'Connor on the show actually talking to him about that uh, Federated Farmers response and Fonterra now have come out with um, they're going to target or make targets for Scope 3 emissions. Now that's a term I didn't know. Scope 3 emissions are basically um, uh, emissions that Fonterra aren't directly responsible for. That is like farmers emissions. So there's a lot in the space. So yeah, farmers are very, very Grumpy you had Groundswell sent a um, a petition to government earlier this week, 106,000 signatures to say that farmers are unhappy with this emission pricing. Um, not all farmers, though. You see, this is the thing. You've got one side, you've got more progressive or middle-of-the-road farmers who are going, hey, look, we've got to be doing this. If our markets are saying this is what we've got to do. So we're going to talk about that on the show today. Okay, Andy, look forward to you. Um, and, uh, well, the double act, actually, coming up on the Rural Roundup. I'll let you guys uh, go and get ready for your show, which starts in around about uh, 11 minutes' time. So uh, make sure you listen to that Rural Roundup uh, this afternoon. Uh, and uh, also, uh, if you're in Auckland, Wellington, you'll have the opportunity to listen to staff, and we'll join up with him, too, very shortly. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.